Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by a very special guest, Jules Galloway. Jules, who is a naturopath. She is a host of an awesome podcast called Straight Talking Natural Health. She's a mentor. She's a public speaker. She is all the things wrapped up in a gorgeous little package. (laughs) Hey, Jules, thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Yeah, well, thank you for coming. I've been wanting to get a naturopath on for a while to talk about the effects that alcohol has on our body and also how we can support our body throughout the recovery process. So firstly, tell me a little bit about you and your background. Oh, how far back do you want to go? Oh my God. Um, so, <laughs> so the official the official company line is the, you know, I've been a naturopath for 16 years. And I, you know, I now work with a lot of complex cases. But back when I started out being a naturopath, I also worked in drug and alcohol rehabilitation. That was one of my first jobs out of college. So I've got a little bit of a background there. Amazing. But if you if you want to go a little bit further backward, before that, when I wasn't a naturopath and I was uh, a little bit more naughty, <laughs> um, yes, I've got I've got a bit of a an interesting past where I was homeless when I was sixteen. So all the yeah, all the accoutrements that go along with that, um, all the trauma, and then all of course the you know the substance use and the stress and all of that. And then, hang on, may I yes. ask, how did you end up homeless and how long did that go on for? 
I I was not in a good situation at home. Like my my parents were quite abusive, and mm-hmm. I ended up leaving. But under the advice of um, someone who I should I won't dump their ass in it, but un, under the advice of someone who worked for a government department, they said get them to kick you out so that you can get the Oz study homeless rate because there was something at that time called an Oz study homeless rate and it was more than the the usual Oz study rate. So they said if you want the government to give you money, get them to kick you out. So I went home and I called my mum a very rude word and it did the job. But there there was yeah, but like leading up to that there were many, many years of of stress and trauma and a lot of, uh, there was a lot of abuse. And so I was better off out of there. Right. Um, But, yeah, then I went into what they called back then youth accommodation, which is like uh, public housing for kids. So they basically get you to shack up with someone else who's homeless and they give you like a two-bedroom unit. And our two-bedroom unit was in a not very nice suburb of Melbourne, and so you're living next door to drug dealers and seeing domestic violence every night. And of course, my housemate that they that they matched me with, well, she also had her own mental health and issues as well because mm-hmm. they're, they're putting you together with another homeless person. So putting a traumatized person with another traumatized person and saying, "Here you go, go do what life could together." Possibly go wrong, right? What could go wrong with that? And then yeah, and then geez. they they send a counsellor around once a week. They send a social worker around once a week just to make sure that you're not pregnant and that you're still alive. So yeah, it was that'll do. I mean, yeah, that's enough. Job's oh, done, God. right? <laughs> God, wow. So, but yeah, look, I survived that. And then um, when I was 19 years old, I I tried my hand at a couple of different jobs, but nothing really stuck. And there, I had some, you know, I got sexually assaulted um, in one of my, my workplaces. And then I left there and decided to become a stripper because hey. that's what you do when you've been when you've been sexually harassed or sexually assaulted in a workplace situation. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what you go and do right but the way that I was the way that my 19 year old brain was calculating it all and justifying it all it was like well if you're going to have people hit on you at work you might as well get paid two thousand dollars a week for it in cash yeah and the money's good right like <laughs> yeah it's not now the money's not good now but yeah it was really good money back then and you could turn up to work in any state you wanted to and you wouldn't get sent home unless you were passing out so hey that sounds like a great thing yeah (laughs) so but I'm, I'm a pretty driven person and also I had a burning desire to stay alive and to actually succeed in life um it was coming from probably the wrong place because the the motivation for doing well and succeeding was to stick it up the parents who kicked me out because as I was leaving home, they said that I would never amount to anything. So I was like, watch me. And mm. so, but I did, I think that even though it's a pretty toxic like motivation, I think it stood me in good stead at that time because I had this burning desire to be, you know, to not just be a stripper, but to do something with my life. So I ended up before I realized what I wanted to be, I ended up being a showgirl. So I uh, got f- 
Yeah. So I got flown all over Australia to go and dance. It, it, it sounds more glamorous than it is. It's really not glamorous. Like you're dancing at like large pubs for hundreds of people at a time sometimes or on stage or we do competitions called like Miss Nude Australia and Miss Erotica Australia and all these and you get sashes and crowns and all this hilarious stuff. Um, they were like beauty pageants but without any clothes on. And uh <laughs> It's a whole thing. And um, and so, like, I, I used to be the person that you would hire to turn up and do, like, a 10 to 15-minute show somewhere and then I'd get in the car with my driver and be driven to the next one and I might do six or seven of those in a night, say. Oh, and, been exhausted. Yeah, I was fit, actually. I was, yeah, it's better than any gym. So, yeah, and I, I wasn't exhausted because I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd do it now. So. Yeah. But, yeah, somewhere in there, some, somewhere in, in that decade, I had a bit of a, a moment one night uh, where I had a bit of a, you know, when, you know when you, you're under the weather and you're having a bit of a crisis and all the things come up and I realised that I was at a bit of a crossroads in my life even though I was only in my 20s and I thought I can either continue living this lifestyle forever and I can see how that's going to play out because I could see the other girls in my industry who were 30, 40, some of them even older than that, um, still in the industry and what they had to do to stay in the industry uh, and how it was affecting them physically and mentally. And I thought, okay, that's, that's not what I want. I want something different to that. I want, I want to be something else. And I had a bit of a health crisis because it, I was smoking and drinking and eating McDonald's and when I wasn't eating McDonald's if I needed to lose weight for a competition I'd just eat veggies and rice because that's what you did back then to lose weight really quickly you'd go on a severe low-fat diet and um and I realized that I I'd really kind of started to cook my body so yeah I'd, I'd fried my my circuits a little bit so I went to a naturopath mm. and it was actually a student naturopath and it was a friend of mine who was also, you know, um, someone that I was hanging out with a lot in, this is in Melbourne and she was studying naturopathy. She goes, let me help you. And she started to teach me about diet and whole foods and organic foods and avoiding chemicals and avoiding processed foods and how that's really good for your mental health. And then she gave me bottles of icky brown herbs to drink and all the things. And I got better and I became really interested in health and well-being and, and eventually down the track I thought that's what I want to be. I, I want to help people too. So Wow, what an amazing yeah. turnaround. I mean, that is so huge. What a story. I love that. It's just like I always say I want my yoga teachers to have had like X amount of trauma, be covered in tattoos, have had an uh, intravenous drug issue yep. <laughs> and at least been an alcoholic. We you want know. you to have lived, but then we want you to have come out of it. <laughs> Same as my naturopaths. You know, you should see my acupuncturist. She's, she, she's, she's amazing. She's lived life too. So, you know, this is what, these are the people that I think are the best to learn from and the best to take knowledge from because it's, you've come from a place of you've had to heal yourself and I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And so for people listening, just for transparency's sake, I would say too that you would be one of the very few guests that have been on this show that uh, maybe the only guest actually that actually still has the odd drink. But yeah. as you said before, when we spoke about you coming on, it, it's like 
alcohol had never been an actually like a big issue for you, not something that you had no off switch. And so it is something that you are able to moderate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that people have different degrees of, of, yeah, off switch definitely or no off switch at all. And I know that what I can do now in just having a drink or two is not for everyone and I'm one of the lucky ones. I think my lack of off switch was more drugs than alcohol, to be honest. Um, and, like, in in that decade when I was uh, dancing, my other part-time love was DJing. So I was, like, heavily involved in the rave scene and uh, dabbled in a little bit of DJing. So I'll, I'll let you just assume what I got up to during that era as I well. And so for me, I think alcohol was never the huge one. It You're was like popping four eckies up your bum. Shelving. I make no comment, Your Honour. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, full disclosure, I do have a wine or a gin or whatever occasionally, but I also understand that that there are a lot of people who unfortunately can't get to that place and it has to be all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm one of them, guilty. And so, yeah, and probably most of the people listening to this podcast. Do you feel that because you must be so in tune with your body and you must be so healthy, do you feel the kind of ickiness if you do have a glass of wine? Do you feel it slow your body down or do you feel the effects that it has on your body? Yeah, I think I'm very in tune with my body in that I, I feel what it's doing in the moment. But I also think... Yeah, it's a really good question. I I go to the gym a lot and I will notice, and I know other people at the gym say exactly the same thing. If we're doing a morning class and we had had some the night before, you'll hear people say, oh, I shouldn't have had those two wines. Like, mm-hmm. can't believe I only had two, but I still, I feel rotten today in the gym. So I know, and, and look, as... As you get older, I think you start to notice those things more and more because your digestive system and your liver and everything else just doesn't stand up to it like it used to. So, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there is something in that and that your body just can't pro. Like I remember I had um, a tummy surgery and I got told I wasn't allowed to drink alcohol for I think it was four weeks or six weeks and, t- and then talking to my friend afterwards who's a surgeon and she was saying, yeah, you, you can't drink alcohol after you've had a surgery or you shouldn't drink alcohol after surgery because it really hinders your um, ability for your body to heal yeah. and it will slow down the healing process like so much. I'm like, what, really? Even one? And she said, even, and she, like I was boozing heaps at the time and she loves her wine. And she said, yep, unfortunately, absolutely. It, it has a huge effect. Yep, on, absolutely. Um, and can heal itself. We can back that up with science now as well and look at what other things that you need to have happen in the healing process and look at what alcohol does to take away from that. So, for example, like alcohol causes an inflammatory response in the body, right? Mm. And if you've got this inflammatory response happening, then the healing's not happening in the same way. Alcohol washes out your zinc. Like alcohol messes with your ability to hold on to a lot of your water-soluble nutrients because your water-soluble nutrients are flushed out more whenever you have any diuretic. And we all know alcohol's diuretic, right? So as soon as you're ingesting this diuretic in the form of, of booze, what happens is you're starting to lose 
extra water soluble nutrients now that can be anything from like b vitamins to magnesium like all these you know there's heaps of water soluble nutrients but zinc's a big one and so zinc is needed for tissue system. healing oh yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, immune guys. system and tissue healing vitamin c water soluble needed for immune system and tissue healing collagen production right you need to make collagen to get things to heal so yeah it's all yeah like i think this doctor was right and now we've got science to show why she's correct i mean it also like fucks with your microbiome right so it's feeding the wrong bugs in the digestive system and we now know when people have even general anesthetics like their ability to bounce back from those general anesthetics can be determined by the the good and the bad bugs in the gut so if you're feeding the wrong bugs and then the bad bugs are starting to take over a little bit in the gut and then you put that person under for a procedure their recovery might not be as good as you'd hoped. So there's so much going on like at that nutritional and biochemical level that would definitely back up what this doctor said to you. Yeah, wow. So in in that case where you're saying how it stops the body producing collagen and things like that, would it be safe to say then that you're going to look pretty haggard? (laughs) You definitely look better when you've got more collagen. Everyone knows this, right? And this is why people drink collagen now, right? But but that spoiler work, alert, by the we, way. Oh, yes, but we can make collagen. We, like make we can it? make it. We just need good nutrient levels of specific nutrients in order to make it. So yeah, but drinking it, I guess it does work for some people, but not for everyone. Because I wonder, I look at it and I think, hmm, should I, mm. will I not? No, nah, you yeah, nah. Uh, okay just quickly since I've got you here I feel like I'm getting a free consult so okay hit me with it what do I need if I want to increase my collagen and beautiful skin so there's a bunch of precursors that you need but the most important thing would be a like vitamin c you definitely need vitamin c there'll be a few other things you need as well like you'll need some amino acids you'll need to be eating protein etc etc okay how do you get the amino acids just wondering protein foods protein containing foods okay all right yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Okay. Or you can just go and buy an $80 collagen powder and <laughs> <laughs> it works for some, but if it's working for you, it probably means you're not making your own. So short-term, take the collagen powder. Long-term, work out why you weren't making your own and fix that. That's right. You know, you said that, that alcohol washes away the water solubles, so your B vitamins, your Cs, and, you know, the B vitamins I know just because I'm, I just don't even know how I know this, but they're, they're really good for your mental health and things like that. So what would it be safe to say if, you know, someone's a big drinker or after a big, big night of drinking, what would they be deficient in? What would you normally find that someone would be deficient in? If they're doing it regularly, then definitely your bees will, will be likely to be lower. Yeah. I find that you'll often see people with low magnesium. Sometimes you see low iron. Sometimes you'll often see low zinc. Low zinc seems to go hand in hand with like high usage of alcohol. And I think low zinc is a bit of a chicken or the egg thing because a lot of people with low zinc will start to have symptoms uh, that are sort of mental health related. So, yeah, a lot of my anxious clients are low in zinc, for example. True. Yeah. So, yeah, whenever naturopaths see anxiety and depression, we are always looking at zinc and we'll often test your zinc levels to see where they are in your blood. And so if a person is low in zinc, then they're going to potentially be experiencing some of these mental health symptoms, which is then going to 
make them more likely to go and have a big night out drinking. And then the big night out drinking is going to help to wash out those nutrients even more, which means that then their mental health issues are potentially going to get worse. And then now we are on like this hamster wheel situation and that's really dangerous. So we've got to be really, really careful to look at the nutrient levels in a lot of people, but Zinc's a huge one, and I'm. You're, if you follow me around for long enough, you'll find zinc is like my one of my desert island nutrients. Like I do not leave home without it. I love it, and because it does, it helps me with anxiety and mental health stuff as well. And I find I'm a lot more volatile if I'm if my levels are low. So, but also the other thing with the nutrients, it's not just that you're washing out your water soluble nutrients, although that does take place because of the diuretic effect of the alcohol. You've also got the other part of the problem, which is where do you absorb these nutrients? You absorb them in the small intestine. You need a really good balance of good and bad bacteria in the small intestine in order to absorb the nutrients from the food that you eat. We know now that when certain areas of the small intestine are inflamed or if there's the wrong level of, you know, the wrong bacteria in there at the wrong levels, then you can actually prevent the absorption of some of the nutrients from the food that you eat. And we see this with iron. You see people with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and celiac disease and gluten sensitivity when they're eating the foods that they shouldn't be eating, you see their iron levels drop. So Mm. we often see that in people who've got a long history of alcohol use as well because that really knocks around the bugs in the small intestine. It's feeding the pathogenic bacteria and it's, it's preventing the growth of the good bacteria. So you get this, dis, what we love to refer to as this thing called dysbiosis, like a naturopath term. So as soon as you get this dysbiosis, it's going to affect the absorption of the nutrients in the small intestine. And if there's inflammation there as well, which is it called the aftergrog bog? Is that what we still oh, refer yeah. to? Yes. God, so you know, that one for a while. Right? That's <laughs> a 90s term for you all you kids out there, right? So, but we know if you have a big night out, you know your guts are not right the next day. You know that when you go to the toilet, like what's coming out is not right. Come on, we know. Let's talk about food. Like we know it's not right. So if it's, you know, if that's not right the next day, then that's affecting like that that is potentially inflammation that's affecting the balance in your gut and that in turn will affect the absorption of the nutrients that you eat so now we've got more than one issue mm-hmm. so yeah those poor little nutrients that you're eating <laughs> you're going then they're going down they're going nowhere they're money down going, the dunny money <laughs> money down the dunny absolutely <laughs> Wow, that's so full on. And so that's interesting what you say about zinc too, because I was upping my zinc around when COVID hit. So I was taking like zinc and C and NAC, NAC and a whole host of things like that. And yeah, I really did feel good. And I just probably put it down to everything that I was having. So I was having all the things to support my immune system, but maybe it was the zinc. So that is really, really fascinating. And so how long does it take to restore these these kind of vitamins? Like, you know, if you've had a big night and you've washed out all your B vitamins and all the rest of it, is it just like go pop a pill in their back or? With some nutrients, yes. And with other nutrients, no. So some nutrients like vitamin C, they're actually not stored in the body at all. So you might wash them out one night, but when you eat them again the next day, they're back. But if you don't eat them for a day, they're gone again. So some some people um, some of these nutrients, like 
we don't hold on to them. That's that's actually how we're meant to be. There's other nutrients that are stored in the body. And so those levels build up over time. And then so if we have a couple of days where we're depleted, it may not matter so much as long as what we do afterwards for the rest of the time is really good. So it, it's actually kind of with, with nutrient absorption, it's a bit of a case-by-case basis. And some of them you can get your levels up again very quickly like vitamin C, but other ones like zinc actually take more time. You can't go from zero to hero with zinc, for example. Ah. So if someone comes to me and their levels are really, really low, there's always that temptation when you see that blood test come back. You're like, oh, my God, this person, we need to back the truck up with the zinc and we need to shuffle it in. Like, come on, let's get these levels up. But you've got to respect the balance of all the biochemistry and the balances in the body. So for example, zinc and copper have this amazing inverse relationship, right? Mm. So it means they sit on a seesaw with each other. And so if your zinc goes down, your copper goes up. Now, copper in small amounts is a nutrient, right? But in large amounts, it acts like a heavy metal. And that tipping point isn't really like, it's, it's pretty quick. So your zinc goes down, copper goes up, starts to act like a heavy metal, crosses the blood-brain barrier and makes you feel anxious slash depressed slash volatile slash angry slash whatever, right, like affects moods. So it's not just the zinc deficiency now that's affecting your moods, it's the, it's the elevated copper. Now, if you smash yourself with large amounts of zinc very quickly, what you can actually do is flip that seesaw in the wrong direction too quickly. So you, co- you go from having high copper to having what they love to call a copper dump. And that's where the copper starts to become liberated because your body, when you've got high copper, it'll start to stash it places. It stashes it in hard tissues like tendons and ligaments and it's trying to put it somewhere, right? And then, yeah, and then when you upset that balance on that seesaw, what can happen is the copper gets liberated and you end up with more copper out into the bloodstream than you used to have. And that crosses the blood brain barrier, makes you more anxious and more unsettled and, and more depressed and whatever. So rather than smashing you with zinc supplements too much too soon what we do is we go in very gently and if the person's got high copper then what we do is which you can also check on a blood test if the person's got high copper what we do is we can actually then give nutrients that help to mop up the copper as we bring it down gently so there's yeah it's it's really fascinating but you have to respect the biochemistry that's going on in a person and not just throw mega doses at people sometimes going low and slow at the start especially in a sensitive person is the way to go even though you're not going to get the result you want overnight and in a lot of like mental health cases right in a lot of mental health clients they're sensitive people. Even if they look tough, act tough, talk tough, right, you know they're a pudding on the inside. Like I've worked in drug rehab, right, I've known a lot of tough people who once you actually get through that exterior, what did my friend call them the other day? Mar- she, she called me a marshmallow, right? <laughs> She's like because, you know, when you roast them, they go really tough on the outside but then you poke them a little bit and they're just all goo on the inside. <laughs> and I was like, um, Thanks, I think. But I think a lot of people, she did say that it, it, it can be a problem and a superpower all at once. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of, of people who've had a lot of alcohol use over time have got that marshmallow constitution. They've got a very tough exterior. It's become something they're really good at, right? They've built this exterior up and they're like, this is my exterior and it's awesome. 
And a lot of people don't even see through that exterior. But, yeah, I, I often think they're the people who are going to be, as soon as I see someone who talks tough, acts tough, looks tough, you know, big yeah. big dudes with tattoos, I'm like, I have to watch you because you're actually the sensitive one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yep. Absolutely. Okay, let's say someone has had, a, you know, a big history with alcohol, like, you know, daily drinker or something like that, or just heavy binge drinking. What would you recommend for them to start, you know, to start on and to, to start helping support their journey in, in their recovery? Supplement-wise or food-wise? Yes. Any of it or anything cool. you got, give it to us. All right. Food-wise, let's start with food because, you know, that's what, as naturopaths, we should be looking towards food as medicine, although I freaking love supplements and herbs, so expect that coming. Um, but food-wise, <laughs> food I learned really early on working in the, in the rehab centre that blood sugar balance is everything right? And we're not just talking about avoiding diabetes. We're talking about those those peaks and troughs of blood sugar that everyone gets during the day. So if you're eating lots of simple white starchy carbohydrates, which let's face it, a lot of people do, your blood sugar goes up. And if you're not eating enough protein and veggies to buffer that and good fats and, and what have you, then what happens is your blood sugar will rise. And then at first you'll feel really good for about 20 minutes and then it'll crash. And then when it crashes, that's when you will crave more sugar. <clears throat> now, your body will crave it in the form of sugar usually first. So it'll be like, hey, can we have a chocolate bar? And you'll be like, hey, we're not doing chocolate at the moment. We're trying to eat healthy. And then your brain will be like, hey, can we have some white starchy carbohydrates then? And, you'll, and of course, you'll be like, well, that's not sugar. And then, of course, you eat your white starchy carbohydrates and then up you go again. So you have your sandwich for lunch, you know, and, and not enough protein because that bit of ham and that one slice of cheese on the sandwich is not a palm-sized portion of protein. So up your blood sugar goes again, and then an hour or two later it crashes again. And So now you're looking at sort of 3 in the afternoon with your three 3.30 itis, people hit the deck. And I found with a lot of my clients in rehab, that's when the cravings for the alcohol really start because, let's face it, that. Yeah. it gets blood sugar up, right? gets your blood sugar up quickly. Mm. But the quicker something gets your blood sugar up, the faster you crash afterwards as well. And, of course, they're the people who go, oh, I just have to keep drinking. If I have one, I have to have 10. Because as they start to crash and their energy flags, like their brain knows to just tell them to go and have another drink. Your brain's like this two-year-old sitting. Imagine if your brain was a two-year-old sitting in a shopping trolley in the lolly aisle at Coles, just trying to grab things. Like that's your brain on sugar, right? Mm. And so sugar can come in the form of alcohol. And so, and it's fast, like the delivery mechanism is super fast. Like it gets your blood sugar up probably faster than lollies. I'm sure there's a study on that to back up that, that statement somewhere. And so the first thing we do with a lot of people is get their blood sugar stable. So getting them to eat a palm-sized portion of protein with every meal and everyone listening to this, unless you're driving or doing something, operating heavy machinery with two hands, pick up one hand and have a look at it. Now turn it sideways and look at the thickness of your palm. It's literally like, what, three or four centimetres long at the base and about a centimetre and a half long at the top of your palm, right? Mm -hmm. That's a large amount of meat or fish, or chicken, or chickpeas, or eggs, or cheese, or whatever. Like that's a large amount of protein containing food. That's how much you need to be having with every meal, right? Every meal. Not a slice of ham on your freaking sandwich does not work. So palm-sized portion is like, you know, 150 to 200 grams of meat, fish, chicken. It's two eggs. 
right? It's a hand, if you, you know, vego, it's a handful of nuts and seeds and some, you know, like half a tin of chickpeas is, you know, half of, you know, 200 grams of chickpeas is a palm-sized portion of protein, Um, you know, or goat's cheese, like a bit of goat's cheese and some nuts and seeds. So that's what you should be having and then not having your processed white starchy carbs but having colourful veggies instead. Wow, that's awesome. And do you think that, okay, you might answer this in two different ways. If you've got the the 3 o'clock craving coming, which is what I used to get all the time, particularly in summer, and I'd go for cider at 3 o'clock, could it just be that you're, and then also if you're not drinking, you start to get the craving of the sugar, is a yeah. way to counteract that is to have like say a decent sized portion of like a protein or a carbohydrate or something like that that's not, yeah. not not a simple carbohydrate? It's really hard to stop the craving in its tracks once it's happening at 3 o'clock. And what I always say to people is have a think about what you ate at 12 or 1 o'clock that caused this in the first place and don't do that again. So, oh, wow. okay. yeah, I just spoke to someone yesterday, actually, and she's like, oh, should I take, there was this over-the-counter supplement she was inquiring about, oh, this is supposed to be really good for energy. I need something to take at three in the afternoon. Do you reckon this product would be any good? And I said, what are you eating for lunch, mate? And I said, I bet you're not having enough protein. She's like, oh, my God, I've been eating pasta every day for lunch. And she's vego, so I can guarantee you the sauce that's on that pasta doesn't have enough protein in it. And that's why she's been bombing out every day at three in the afternoon. And she was looking for something to lift her out of that funk once she got there. But once you've got there, it's kind of already too late. So, like, I could reel off a bunch of really naturopathic, protein-rich snacks that you can eat. Like, you know, there's a brand in Byron Bay called the Daily Bar that make these beautiful paleo bars that I have in my fridge that are like I take them travelling with me in case the place I get to has got a shit breakfast. And, like, you you know, you can have one of them because they're quite high in protein because they're nuts and seeds and they don't have a huge amount of sugar, like just enough dried fruit to hold it together. Or you can eat, like, nuts and seeds or you can go and have like some cheese and some veggie sticks or some veggie sticks and hummus dip or whatever these are all really healthy options Mm -hmm. but they're not going to pick your blood sugar up off the floor in that moment they're going to satisfy you and fill your tummy but that funk you're in the only way to really stop that is to either have more sugar which i don't really want you to do or stop it from happening in the first place which means check what you eat at lunch and recognize why it's out of balance. Okay, was it too many white processed starchy carbs? Was it bread or pasta or something? Was it not enough protein? And then have, if you really want something carby with your lunch, have like brown rice or quinoa or something like that, or sweet potato, have lots of colorful veggies or salad and make sure you've got that palm-sized portion of protein and come back and see me. Like seriously, 95% of people who do that, they come back and they're like, oh, I didn't feel hungry at three in the afternoon anymore. Or if I did, it was just because I was bored, not hungry. Mm, That is really good. Really, really good. That's amazing advice. Okay. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question is, and I think you may have just answered it anyway, but so many people when they quit alcohol, my husband, Ash was the worst for this. And now I've kind of adopted it via him, but this, um, the sugar craving, you know, and I, I would sort of obviously, you know, assuming that because you're used to such high levels of sugar in your blood from drinking so much alcohol that your body's looking for that. But would that be the same way in counteracting that? Yeah, absolutely. That's where you would start. The other things that come to mind, and this is also something I learned a lot from working in rehab, is when the gut is out or the liver is out, 
then you're going to struggle with blood sugar balance even more. Your gut and your liver are also contributing to blood sugar balance. So if they're not functioning correctly, you are more likely to have those highs and lows and to have what, you know, what we like to call functional hypoglycemia, which basically means just severe blood sugar drops a couple of hours after you eat a meal. Um, and so with the gut, like, of course, if someone's had like pretty high usage of alcohol, we need to go in with some gut healing and reinstall the good bugs and maybe get rid of some of the bad bugs and once you do that, you often find that people's blood sugar balance is slightly less sensitive. So when you've got these functional hypoglycemia people, they're really sensitive to when they do eat these processed carbs. But it's like, okay, well, why can two people eat a sandwich and one person falls asleep at three in the afternoon and the other person doesn't? And I think a lot of that has to do with gut bugs. So supporting like a healthy gut, maybe going in with supplements that heal up the gut and then like, you know, good making sure we've got the right bacteria in there so again we might like we might want to look at good bacteria in the form of probiotics but honestly i will often find with people that i need to weed out some pathogenic stuff first before we go in with the good bacteria Um, we might need to give prebiotics that help to feed the good bacteria in the gut as well and then, of course, if there's been a long usage of a long history of alcohol usage, then liver support as well. And that will help with glucose balance, a blood sugar balance in the body as well. And I do find like, you know, supplement wise, if people have got this history and they're now quitting alcohol, I will go in with a, a lot of liver support. Like St. Mary's thistle is almost a given, like assuming the person's not on any medications that would contraindicate that. But like I use so much St. Mary's thistle in people with a history of alcohol usage because it's like it's actually got an action um, called it's a liver trophy restorative, right? That's the old-fashioned name for it. I love it. Liver trophy restorative actually means it restores the function of the liver. So, yeah, and you don't need to have failed a liver function test to be able to benefit from some liver herbs because your liver function test will only start to show a problem when the problem is very big. And so, yeah, the reference range for where they consider the liver function, you know, the liver enzymes like your ALT and your AST and your GGT, there's all these things they can test for when you go to the doctor when it comes to your liver. And, look, if you are quitting alcohol and you do think that you've hit it pretty hard and you might have a liver issue, you can go to the doctor and say, I've got a history of of high alcohol usage, can I please have a liver function test? But if you pass that liver function test with what they say is flying colours, take it to a naturopath for a second look, and it doesn't mean you're off the hook because we might still give you some liver herbs anyway, especially if you're showing some of these other signs. I've had friends that were like full-on alcoholics, they go and get their liver tested from the doctor and they come back and go, I was fine. I'll see, you know, I'm, I'm off to the pub. Yeah, I've it's seen like, it in Hep C clients as well. When I was, no yeah, way. yeah. As soon as they got their liver enzymes down, they were like, "Everything's fine. My liver's fine. I don't need any help." And I'm like, "Oh God, can we please keep treating your liver?" Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> um, this is amazing. So, okay, if if we were just if I was to say, okay, just hit me with some supplements, just off the, you know, what you can think of. So obviously, yeah. um, pre and probiotic. Yep. Yep. Is this just for the gut or? No, just for the whole support, the whole support of the whole system. Yeah. Like just some general ones that could help, even with sleep and things. 
Yeah. In terms of safe prebiotics that work for most people, and again, if you're on any medications or if you've got any like specific health conditions going on, like you should check this with a naturopath or a nutritionist or whatever, because like, or herbalist if it's herbs, because Mm. like some things interact with some other things. But um, look, here generally, if someone comes to me and we need to sort out their gut, it'll be a glutamine based powder that we put in water and it'll usually if they've got a history of some gut issues or gut inflammation it'll probably be one of those all-in-one sort of gut healing supplements it's got about 10 ingredients but the main one will be glutamine um phgg which stands for partially hydrolyzed guar gum but most people if you walk into a health food shop and you just say phgg they will know what you're talking about that is my favorite prebiotic because it seems to suit most people. Again, there's no one size fits all, but that's one that I like to use. And that helps to increase something called butyrate production in the gut. And butyrate production helps to keep inflammation down and it feeds the good bacteria. And all these good things happen in the body when butyrate's happy. So to get the butyrate up, we often will do PHGG mm-hmm. um, and that's your gut sort of taken care of. And then like down the track, we might have to weed out some pathogenic bacteria if things aren't right, or we might want to put some probiotics in to help with that. And there's even this whole set of probiotics that would be really, really good for this niche actually. And they're called psychobiotics. It's like this new area of science. I know, right. And then no, they're not, they're not probiotics that have gone psychotic. They are like me before my period. (laughs) Yeah. I know they sound a bit shifty, but actually psychobiotics are amazing. And they are these specific strains of probiotic bacteria that have been researched to actually help with mental health. So yeah, it's really fascinating. So if you type in psychobiotics into Dr. Google, you can have a field day, but there's all these different strains coming out that are great for different things, but they're researching them in terms of like helping with neurotransmitter balance and bringing the inflammation in the brain down, what naturopaths love to call neuroinflammation. It helps to bring that inflammation down. And we now know that neuroinflammation is often linked with things like anxiety and depression and mood disorders. And so these psychobiotics are like, this is like the new frontier and it's like really super nerdy and I love it. So again, like don't, you know, it's, don't just go out and just grab the first probiotic you see and start like swallowing it because it might not do anything. One, it might be that money down the dunny thing that we were talking about before. But secondly, it might be, you know, there might be something better that you could have put your money into that will actually be really appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's not just about and going and grabbing. Ex- like this stuff is so ex- expensive, oh, right? So it's probably actually it worth, you know, like, listen to this podcast for sure, but, you know, get in touch with like yourself, like with you, Jules, or yeah. a naturopath or like a, a nutritionist. nutritionist. Yeah. Like help you with this stuff. If you can't afford it, go to the health food shop that has a naturopath working there. Mm. Because honestly, some people kind of poo-poo that a little bit and be like, oh my God, you know, like you're just working in a health food shop. But do you know what? They see like hundreds of people every day and often they will be new graduates and new graduates learned all the science like last month right 
So they sometimes know stuff that some of us old dogs in the industry don't even know, like because they're literally learning it recently. And like I learned, I I did mine 16 to 20 years ago. I was at naturopathic college, right? Mm -hmm. So don't, you know, don't just discount the idea of going into a health food shop and speaking with someone there because even though they don't have years of experience under the belt, they know a lot more than you think. Um, Also student clinics, if you don't have much money, student naturopathic student clinics are amazing they're fourth year students but they're all supervised by very experienced practitioners and you're better off starting there and getting the ball rolling like remember remember when in in my backstory like that's who I saw the first time back when I was in my 20s it was a fourth year student that I was seeing that helped me to get better and led to me becoming a naturopath so hey like I'm all for that. So, yeah, don't let budget stop you. Um, I agree. And also, like, say, I've been seeing the naturopath. He works at the oil. He's actually left now, but down the just the Ocean Shores Pharmacy here. Um, And they've got a new young girl she's working in there, probably the same, a student naturopath. But James, I used to go and see him all the time. I'd go and see him before I saw the doctor. You know, I'd always go and he'd, you know, give me a whole list of different things to take. And he was awesome. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Okay. And they care. Do you want some other supplements? Please, yes, go. <laughs> this is amazing. Right. So liver support, I've mentioned St. Mary's Thistle, but like you could always, you mentioned NAC earlier in regards to sort of antiviral properties, mm-hmm. but it's also, it works through the liver and it's it has detoxifying properties. And, and so, yeah, like NAC is brilliant. Again, That's, you know. I have heard of that could be really good in recovery. So yep. what's the actual, because yep. the acronym is NAC. Can you remember N, the actual? N-acetylcysteine yeah. is its long name. But again, if you go into a decent health food shop and say you want NAC, everyone knows what it is because of COVID, because yep. everyone was scrambled. Like literally the suppliers were running out of NAC during COVID because some people on some YouTube video said it was good and then everyone took it. And so, yeah, everyone knows NAC now. There's been an outbreak here recently and Ash just oh. got COVID again for the second time and I've gone down to oh. the good old trusty Ocean Shield so I'm like, oh, can I get some NAC? And they're like, sold no. out, don't know where we're going to get any. I'm like, what? <laughs> Luckily I found some in the bottom of a drawer somewhere. It was probably yeah. out of date. But anyway. That's it. You've got to have a stash these days. It's hilarious. Um, so NAC, right. the good one. Okay. And so that that's your liver covered, although there are plenty of other liver herbs you can look to as well. And Good old B vitamins also help with liver support too. But B vitamins in general are fantastic for helping to uh, keep the blood sugar balanced, helping with energy production, helping to reduce anxiety and lift the mood and balance hormones and all the things that you need when you are actually starting to kick alcohol to the curb. Um, Magnesium, oh, my Lord, if you're tense or anxious, you like seriously back the truck up. That is something you can go from zero to hero with, like unless it makes you poop too much. Um, but back the truck up with the magnesium and start pouring it in. And mm. like, you know, if you've got like, you know, when you when you start to come off alcohol and you get like that real muscle contraction and then not being able to sleep because you've got the stiff neck and the tight shoulders and all of that, that's mm. when magnesium is like at its best. I love magnesium. That's where it does its best work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zinc, zinc. I'm sure I've forgotten a bunch of other ones. They would they would honestly be the main ones. And then herbs for anxiety and stress. Mm. So when people are stopping drinking, they sometimes also stop sleeping. Mm, I see that all the time. Yeah. And then they're like, I need a drink to get to sleep. 
And that is not a that is not a healthy place to be because you don't want to have to use something to have that sort of therapeutic effect. So we've got herbs for sleep. We've got herbs for anxiety. We've got herbs for mood. We've got herbs for stress. We've got herbs for all those things. And a good naturopath can mix you up a beautiful blend. And if you don't have a good naturopath nearby, like I said, walk into your health food shop and I bet you they'll be able to find something that's pretty decent for you. But, like, I I love using, like, high-dose herbs for sleep because if you can get people sleeping, then they wake feeling better, they make better food choices for their breakfast and, you know, their blood sugar's happier throughout the day, the whole flow-on effect because a person sleeps is so so valuable and if they're sleeping their body is healing so your liver's regenerating your gut cells are regenerating like you're, you're making collagen mate you're making collagen I love that collagen right? your skin's regenerating you're looking better if you look better you feel better like this so like if we can get a person sleeping we can get a person healing and like even if i have to resort to using kava in a person assuming their liver functions fine because we don't give carver to people if their liver function on a test is not fine. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but I give carver to everyone else if they need, if they just really, really need to get sort of that anxiety and that muscle tension down so that they can sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I, I will often use like a beautiful mix. I'll make like magnolia, California poppy, zizifers, like passion flower, there's so many beautiful sleep herbs. And sometimes if you can get a naturopath, even if it's a student naturopath or a health food shop naturopath to make you up a liquid herb mix, it's like a hug in a bottle, a really nasty, nasty tasting hug in a bottle. <laughs> I know, they taste so bad. I know, sorry about that. But we do say taste bad, work good. So, you know, like if, if it tastes feral, that means it's doing something really amazing, right? <laughs> My parents used to say about like Benadryl or, you know, uh, <laughs> no, uh, we, I go to uh, Mullum Herbals. Oh, you know, oh my God, it's so oh. beautiful. Another in Brunswick Heads as well, but pretty much anything, it's like, you know, yeah. I've got an itchy bum or yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like my <laughs> left eye is twitching and they'll just make me up something that's so revolting that I basically yep. want to just, and the kids as well, they hate it. If I go to Malm Herbs and they're like, no, because I'm going to make us drink this horrible stuff. And I'm like, yes, but it works. Yeah, it's but you know what? Not not everyone has a Mullum Herbs. Like I wish there was one in every town. Life would be so much better for so many communities. But look, if you're listening to this and you live remotely, just know that there are so many naturopaths now who work on Zoom as well. So if right. you're out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, just know that is no that is no barrier. Like we can send things to you. And we can work online. And that is the best thing that's come out of this whole Zoom era, I think. Isn't it amazing? Like, And you do all your stuff on Zoom, don't you? Yeah. And, I mean, I have clients in very urban places, you know, like Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, whatever. But I've also got a lot of clients in rural and regional areas. And some of them are, like, literally on cattle stations in the Northern Territory. So, so you don't yeah, some that. of them the internet's pretty sketchy. Like sometimes we we our Zoom calls are a little bit struggle town, but we get there, and like they they don't have another option. Like I, there is no naturopath within a six hour drive of their house. 
So, yeah, thank God we can work by via Zoom because we can now reach even more people, which is awesome. So, yeah, distance, location, no barriers, no problem. If you've got internet, then we've got you back. That is so awesome. And are you taking people at the moment? Just yeah, like, look, do you take I, people? I am. Yeah, I usually, my my books are still open. I usually book out about sort of two and a half to three weeks in advance. So just know that. Um, I'm also, I'm not super cheap. I do charge $299 for my first consult and $149 for follow-ups, but that's because I have a special interest in complex cases. So I will often attract clients who've been to two doctors and three naturopaths and got no answers um, or they might have a, a debilitating or a chronic disease. So that's that's where my special interest lies, although I will see, you know, anyone who, who would like to, who feels like they would connect with me. I also mentor a lot of practitioners and those practitioners are at varying levels of experience and they work at many different price points. So, look, if, if you know, budget-wise I'm not the practitioner for you, I totally get it but definitely still get in touch and tell me what you're looking for because I might just know someone who's perfect for you who's at a different price point as well. And I do, I love I, that. I, yeah, look, I do believe that collaborating in our industry is key to us being really strong as an industry and I think it's way better than trying to compete with each other. And I do believe there's the right practitioner out there for everyone and we need to all collaborate so that you'll find the person that you need. I believe exactly the same thing. And I think it's the same with like, say in this, you know, recovery industry as well with coaching and things like that. It's not, you know, like I'm not for everybody. That's for sure. <laughs> what? And, yeah, no. That's, true. <laughs> that's crazy talk, girl. No, but that's true. <laughs> and, you know, like not every, you know, not everyone suits everybody. And, you know, there's so many people out there that can help so many people. So, you know, let's there's, all just band what, together. And, 20 something million people in this country. Yeah. And I have about 12 spots a week to fill, right? <laughs> so right, you too. do the math. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, I agree. There's, there's, enough, there's enough clients out there for all of us. I think getting the message out is the most important thing. Yep, 100%. Absolutely. Okay. And so, all right. So we've covered. So, and now what about, okay. So, in other ways, like when the body is, um, Sam Brown and I talked about this on my last Wednesday, but, you know, when the body is sending you the signals, you know, like um, there's someone in my family, he's full of gout. But then my my sister's going to kill me for this, but <laughs> he's full of gout and, you know, is taking medication, you know, to uh, perhaps he may have switched the drink from, beer to um, vodka and Red Bull or something. Yeah, that'll work. How's that going? <laughs> you know, or autoimmune diseases and things yeah. like that, which for me, like it just screams inflammation, obviously. So it makes sense to me that cutting, you know, either reducing alcohol or cutting it out altogether would help, right, with those symptoms rather than covering it up with a little Band-Aid of a pill. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, as a naturopath, it's a case-by-case basis and I certainly don't try and take everyone off alcohol. I work in with how they want to live and what they're ready to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I say, look, even if we can get you down to wine two days a week, like how about we aim for that? And then, and it, for me it's also going to come down every time to how is the gut 
positioned in all of this? Like how is it traveling? Is there dysbiosis? Are there the right types of bacteria in the gut? Is the gut happy? Because I'll tell you what, like 95%, 99% people that come to me, they've got a gut problem, right? Mm-hmm. There's this old saying in naturopathy is, you know, I learned it 20 years ago, but I'm sure it goes decades before that. And we always used to say, heal the gut, heal the gut first. If you don't know what to do with the person, heal the gut first and then see what you're left with. Like if you've got a really complex person sitting in front of you with like three autoimmune diseases and all this pain and, and all this stuff going on, heal the gut first, right? And so like when you spoke about autoimmune just then and like naturopaths believe that autoimmune diseases start in gut, right? There will usually be a stress trigger. I always say to people there's three things that have to happen in order to develop an autoimmune disease. And this is quite simplified because there will always be other factors. But the top three that have to come together in that little Venn diagram they are genetics so you will usually see a family history of autoimmune disease it might not be your autoimmune disease you might see one Hashimoto's person one lupus person one rheumatoid arthritis person and auntie such and such has got psoriasis right Mm -hmm. they're all autoimmune so yeah a family history of autoimmunity then overlapping that in the Venn diagram you've got some sort of gut issue or gut dysfunction so leaky gut food sensitivities the wrong sorts of gut bugs etc etc like history of parasites history of antibiotics some sort of gut issue then the bottom one the third circle that has to move into place in the venn diagram for all this autoimmune shitstorm to actually take off is stress so some sort of environmental or emotional stress so it can be physical it can be mental It could be, you know, it could be overlapping stress and then one more stressful event sets the person off. But, and like I will sometimes see physical stresses like exposure to mould or a heavy metal or something like that as well or an injury or an operation. But most of the time it'll be an emotionally stressful event. So everyone in northern New South Wales after the floods, Everyone who is homeschooling their kid during COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> in around the world. Anyone who's lived through a pandemic. <laughs> anyone, yes. Any, but you will see autoimmune diseases either kick off or ramp up a notch when someone goes through stress. So often you'll see them kick off in year 12 or after a person has a baby and they've got, they're not getting any sleep and their baby is like they're struggling, you know, with, with their, you know, with their firstborn, secondborn even. But you'll, you'll often see, so, yeah, lack of sleep registers as stress in the body. You'll often see it happening after someone loses a family member or goes through a divorce or, you know, loses their home in a flood or a fire or something. They'll be like, they've never been well since point will be that stressful event and everything kicks on from there. So when we're looking at, you know, inflammation and autoimmunity, we're looking for that emotional stress, but we're also looking for the gut problem. And we, we need to actually solve all of those things in order for that Venn diagram to separate and come apart and for things to get better because you can't change her genes in that Venn, Venn diagram. You can't change the fact that their family members have got autoimmune history, but you can change the other two factors. And so yeah. if yeah. someone's got heaps of inflammation or an autoimmune disease and they're drinking alcohol, like that's not going to help to undo the gut part of the Venn diagram. No, it's just not. No. And look, Gabor, from a trauma-informed perspective, you know, Gabor would say that um, in the book, when the body says no, that there's, the inflammation is also caused from trauma. 
And so yeah. I see how it all kind of links together. It's like this little jigsaw puzzle of putting everything together. And you see how we create this perfect storm for ourselves with, yeah. you know, past trauma and stress and emotional things. And, yeah. and then, you know, the, the gut flora being stripped, you know, or however you'd say it in naturopathic terms or whatever from yeah. all the alcohol and, and perhaps the stress and it's, yeah, yeah, it's all there, isn't it? The family the genetics yeah. and yeah. And yeah. now we're seeing science coming up with reasons for why, like we know this, like Gabor said that probably more than a decade ago, yeah. like we've known this for a long time in the same way that like naturopaths always knew there was a gut brain connection. If someone's got anxiety or depression, we are always, always, always looking for a gut issue to solve, right? Before that person, you can give them anti-anxiety herbs till the cows come home, but what you're doing is band-aiding until you get to the the cause of the problem. So the Mm. cause of the problem will always be looking at the gut to see whether that needs to be sorted. But we now know, like we've known for a long time, but now we know thanks to science, there's this thing called the microbiome and the gut brain connection. But what they have discovered in the last decade is there's also a brain-to-gut connection. So Mm. the stress then impacts on gut function, and they've even done studies like Brandon Brock in America has done um, a lot of research into traumatic brain injury people. who. So I think he was working with um, ex-gridiron football players Mm -hmm. and because you know you're never short of a cohort of people with tbis if you go there and um and he was seeing this this spate of gut issues that was happening that started when they got the brain injury so we now know that it's not just about the gut brain it's about the brain gut and that really backs up what gabor was saying because if you've got this history of trauma that is going to impact on the gut. And we also now know that as soon as you're stressed, um, you will, if as soon as you go into fight or flight, the stress hormones that appear in your body will tell the gut to downregulate its functions. So you will start to create less stomach acid and enzymes because your body thinks it's in fight or flight, right? It literally, mm-hmm. like, it thinks you're running from something. Mm-hmm. And if you're running from something, you're not going to have time to forage. You're not going to have time to cook and you're certainly not going to have time to eat. Now, it doesn't know that we've got refrigerators because they've only been around for a couple of hundred years, not even, probably a hundred. It doesn't know we've got coals. Coals hasn't been around that long either, (laughs) right? So it's going to assume we don't have food on hand. We haven't got time to forage for it and we certainly don't have time to eat it safely because there's like a bear that's chasing us or a tiger. And therefore it goes, you know what? We're going to downregulate your digestion and divert the energy and the blood flow away from the digestive organs. And we're going to send that out to your brain and your arms and your legs to help you to run and fight, right? So we're going to pump up your muscles. We're going to pump up your brain and you're going to be stronger and faster and quicker thinking. But don't worry, you're not going to digest anything today. By the way, you're welcome because we've now gotten you away from the bear, right? So your body thinks (laughs) it's doing you a favor. However, Fast forward to modern day life when we do have coals and we do have all those things and we've got Uber Eats and we have refrigerators and all of those things and now we can be stressed and still eat, which isn't what nature intended to happen. And so now we put this food into our bodies while we're in a stressed state and our bodies go, what the fuck you just done? I don't know what to do with this. It's going to sit there like a brick. I don't have any stomach acid enzymes really to break this down properly. And so then, of course, it moves through to other parts of the body, not properly digested. It messes with your bacteria in your small intestine. So then you, it's more likely to have, um, the, you know, like your stomach acid is your robust defense against 
like bad bacteria coming in as well. So you're more likely to actually like get infections in the gut. All these flow on effects can happen, right? Mm-hmm. All because of that brain gut connection. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be learning so much more about that over the next decade because we have only just scratched the surface. It's way more complex than I've just let on, like, and I don't even know the rest yet. Yeah, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And it just goes to show in how, like, so alcohol affects us in so many ways. It affects so many areas of our body, pretty much everything, you know, mind, body, spirit, all of it. And yep. um, and so if your body is sending you the signals, and sometimes you won't even know, like that stuff with the zinc and you know, going back to what you said earlier and the, and the bees. And I mean, you might notice with the B vitamins, if you're starting to feel flat, but now, as you said about the zinc, I had no idea about that. That's amazing. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's causing the anxiety that people have coined, you know, that new term Mm -hmm. that everyone's coined. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what's behind the anxiety. Like maybe it really is that instant that it's like messing up your neurotransmitters within a day overnight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, all the risk of all the other diseases on top of that. So it's really good to bring it back to this kind of the very core of it, really what, where it's all starting from and and the effect that it has on our body. And this is just fascinating. I could talk about this all day. You are my kind of nerd. I tell you. (laughs) The nerd with the checkered past who drops the F-bombs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You are my people. (laughs) I found my person. You complete me. <laughs> Let's do this again. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. So Jules, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? And I'll put this in the show notes also. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook are both Jules Galloway health mm-hmm. and, and website julesgalloway.com. Beautiful. Yep. Okay. And podcast is straight talking natural health amazing and when when is the podcast is it out every monday tuesday it, it goes through seasons uh, which is my way of saying um i am inconsistent at best so yeah it's on it's on a little break at the moment and then mm-hmm. i usually do about seven weeks in a row and then i have another break um, because clearly I do other things as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm keeping a few balls in the air, but yeah, mm-hmm. when it's happening, it goes, it usually goes for about seven weeks and it usually comes out on Great. a Monday. Well, I'm sure there's plenty there that people can go back and listen to. And I'm going to be on your Yay. podcast as well. In October, yes. I think. yes. Yes. So I'm yep. looking forward to that. Any parting advice for anyone that's needing to support themselves? You know, you know, I don't know if, yeah, it must be the right thing to say. Um, the, the, the first thing that flew into my head then was please don't take some of these supplements that I've said and think that it's going to allow you to keep drinking more. Like I've seen that culture. I've been that culture of I'm taking all my liver herbs, so therefore I'm supported and it doesn't matter if I have a few more drinks tonight. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking all my vitamins and I'm taking my herbs. So therefore I've done my insurance policy and I can, I can now continue to do that thing. Good luck with that. (laughs) We all know like, yes, definitely prop yourself up with some band-aids while you're going through the process of working out what you want to do and getting your ducks in a row and getting ready to quit and all of that. Like I know that like, not everyone can just put the drink down and go, okay, today I quit and I'll never have one again. Like I know it's not that easy, but please don't take what I've said today and 
allow it to prolong the problem Mm. if Mm. you know there's a problem. But, yes, use it to support yourself in the short term while you get those ducks in a row because it will Mm. stand you in good stead. I think that's such great advice. And also for someone like myself who's, you know, down the path, you know, I've been four and a half years sober, but could, you know, could my gut, could my gut health, you know, still be out from that? You know, like I, I was just thinking through all that, geez, I don't probably take that good care of my gut. When we lived in Bali, I took some, you know, <laughs> inner health plus. <laughs> The fact that you like lived in Bali it. tells me you've probably got some gut bugs going on. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. look, there's there's always more things that you can do. And if yeah. you're not feeling 100% your best self, like there's always more things that we can do. And we do, we often say in naturopathy, like it's a bit like peeling off an onion. And I know that like counselling and coaching are the same sort of thing. You peel off a layer and then you find the next thing that you want to work on and then you peel that off and then you find another thing that you didn't even know about to work on. And so if you, if you, and if you're listening to this podcast, I suspect you do want to be your best self and you're really keen to find out what that best self can be like. So yeah, let's start peeling off the layers and just seeing what's there that can be worked on. Yeah. Yeah. And this is such great stuff to nerd out on, you know, the health, your health, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. It's a healthy rabbit hole that you can go down and you'll find other healthy people down that rabbit hole that you can be friends with and nerd out with and who can support you. So yeah, it's, it's actually, it's a really good habit to get into. Yeah. Amazing. Jules Galloway, thank you so much for coming on and just, I know you're busy and you know, that was just saved me 300 bucks. So Oh, never too busy to come on your podcast. Never. Awesome. Thank you, Jules. Bye. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.